Hello and welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. Pod Sequentialism is a production of Meltdown Comics and Collectibles and La Luz de Jesus Gallery, um, housed within the Waco Soap Plant Complex in Los Feliz. So uh, today what we're going to talk about, and um, I'm sure you will have seen on the, uh, the episode description um, before you clicked on to listen today, why Steven Yoon is about to become the biggest star in the world. Now, um, I, I feel like I, I don't have to say this, but um, I'm, I'm guessing that most people have probably already seen the, um, the season opener for the season of Walking Dead. But in case you haven't, you might want to wait to listen to this, or at least the first few minutes of the program. You can, If you want to skip past this for about four minutes, I won't reference it again. But um, you've been warned three Two, one. Um, Glenn, the character that um, that Stephen Yeun plays on Walking Dead, uh, who did die in issue 100 of the comic book, was also killed on air in the series as part of the season opener. Uh, it was a very gruesome on-screen death, and um, which means, of course, that he now has time for a lot of other projects. Seeing as his time on the Walking Dead series is likely uh, a thing of the past, with the exception of some flashbacks. We know that since the first episode is aired, most of the season, if not the entire season, has probably already been filmed. And therefore, any kind of flashbacks would have been already filmed for insertion later. Now, um, I'm going to use an example and of why I think that Steven Yeun is about to become the biggest star in the world. Um, but uh, before we do that, let's talk about uh, Steven Yeun and, and why we know who he is and follow his career. So um, Stephen was born in South Korea, so he's not a Korean American, he is Korean. And um, he first moved with his family to um, Saskatchewan in Canada, and then they later um, emigrated to um, Troy, Michigan. Um, like many uh, South Koreans, uh, his family is Christian, uh, making it probably a little bit of an easier transition into um, American life, especially in the Midwest. And so, um, you know, he's he was born in 1983 in December, um, and he's you know that that makes him um, you know 33 years old by the end of this this year. And that that's kind of prime position for an actor's career if it's already established over a number of years to really take off. And a couple of examples that I'm going to use are both Keanu Reeves and uh, Will Smith. Now, um, Keanu Reeves had, of course, established himself in bit parts in films like uh, Young Blood, the Rob Lowe um, ice hockey uh, drama, and um, then films like River's Edge. Um, where he uh, was a lead and, and established his acting chops. And for people who only know Keanu Reeves for you know the last couple of decades of his career, it's interesting because he's often criticized um, for his acting style, or, or at least at one point was heavily criticized for his, his vocal delivery. Um, but when he was becoming a star, he was very unusual because he's not a... Um, you know, the kind of regular good looking guy. He's not like a standard, um, you know, Caucasian dude. He's, um, you know, he's, he grew up in Canada. He's um, um, ethnically diverse. Um, I think this is, he's got some Hawaiian and, um, and some, other, um, some other mixes. So uh, his rise to fame via the Bill and Ted films and then finally via um, the, um, the action film uh, Rush. Uh, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> the action film um, Speed, um, which really catapulted him into superstardom, 
Um, establish him as an action figure. It also is when he kind of bulked up, um, got very muscular, and became a more standard-looking action hero, even though his um, ethnic diversity wasn't exactly what people were used to at the time. But um, I think a closer comparison for Steven Yeun is uh, Will Smith. And Will Smith, of course, in the um, the late 80s, had established himself as a musical act, um, as the Fresh Prince, um, doing kind of pop rap, um, meaning that um, not of the same ilk of, say, Boogie Down Productions, who were also charting albums in that time, and certainly not in the ilk of band politically motivated, other politically motivated bands like BDP, uh, such as Public Enemy, or um, you know other MC stuff like Dougie Fresh, who had come out earlier and was a little bit edgier, or LL Cool J, who was more overtly um, sexual and um, a more braggadocious type of rap. Um, Will Smith had sort of endeared himself with a sort of um, self-deprecating rapping style, where it wasn't um, bragging about things. But uh, cataloging, um, you know, the the time, the types of trials and tribulations faced by most youth, and it clicked with a very young demographic, um, and in a way that helped um, usher a younger generation into appreciation of of hip hop because this very accessible kind of PG-rated music was available to them. And as they got older, they could transition into more political, sexual, um, angry, or um, other types of of rap music, which would then categorize a lot of the early 90s. Um, certainly there were other positive um, acts, and you can point to people like um, De La Soul and a lot of the other um, kind of positive hip-hop acts of that era. But certainly the bulk of early 90s um, rap was more hardcore. And so what helped transition um, Will Smith into um, into celebrity was the TV show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which kind of takes the, um, the, the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince um, rap aesthetic, kind of comic rap, uh, into a sitcom um, environment. And the people behind that show were kind of genius in establishing um, not only an instantly recognizable star in that Will Smith had a lot of charisma, was a good-looking guy, but that for people of the era, people who are watching television in a post-Cosby world, and of course, you know, the, um, the Bill Cosby television show, um, now in uh, almost direct um, opposition to what we now know about Bill Cosby the man, was a, a groundbreaking show, um, one of the first shows to show African Americans as affluent, as everyday people. Um, it wasn't a show that clicked necessarily only with an ethnic demographic. It had very wide popularity, had a very a large viewership of, you know, white Americans. And um, that was an important segue for the acceptance of, um, of African-American culture into a, a grander audience. Now, I understand that um, coming from, you know, a, a white Irish Catholic from, um, from Boston, that um, the explanation of these things is, I'm maybe not the right guy to speak to these, but I think it's important to elucidate that the, the breakout success of any person who comes from a non-white, non-Caucasian background, um, it's going to be harder that they're, that the, I, I'm sure that some people may not want to hear this, but the, the, the deck is a little stacked and has been a little stacked for a very, very long time. And so it's kind of easy when you, to, to spot 
you know, someone breaking through because there's so few people that do. And when they when they broke through is important when you look back and see the progress that's been made because of a few trailblazers. And, um, you know, certainly before um, Will Smith on television and certainly before uh, The Cosby Show, which had a couple of um, breakoff shows as well. And um, before that, you know, with with Good Times and um, the Jeffersons, um, two shows from Norman Lear, who had always been kind of edgy and pushing the envelope with um, with race and important issues of economics and culture. That um, I mean, you can look at Brian Gumble being an anchor on uh, Good Morning America, and the fact that there was an African American man who is um, every day being beamed into everybody's homes nationwide um, at a time when Good Morning America was pretty much the only nationally successfully broadcast morning program um, the morning slot was their 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 um, market share was so big that other networks would just not occupy that time and give that time back to the local networks for them to run their own local morning shows um, so uh, it cannot be understated the importance of someone like Brian Gumble who would um, then go into ABC Sports uh, launch his own brand through real sports on HBO and um, if you're not watching him, you're really missing some of the best journalism across the board, not just sports journalism, but the best journalism out there. And um, now as a man uh, in his 70s um, and and who went to college in Lewiston, Maine, um, and I can't even imagine what that was like 50 years ago, um, it's it's kind of incredible that, um, that he isn't given more credit for that, but um, we now can look at the television landscape and see a lot more ethnically diverse faces, and that's a good thing. I think that's progress. Now, Will Smith, of course, also uh, had his share of um, independent films, um, just like Keanu Reeves, um, before establishing himself as a star. And if you go back and look at a lot of his resume, you're looking at uh, bit parts, in movies like Where the Day Takes You and, um, you know, Six Degrees of Separation, which really kind of established his um, acting chops, and then um, star, you know, action films like Bad Boys. But it's really Independence Day, the Roland Emmerich film, that um, broke Will Smith wide open into a star because it was a summer blockbuster. Um, it was one of the most successful films ever made at that point and um, established him as a, a bankable star. And from that point forward, he had other hits like Men in Black and Enemy of the State and was actually offered the role of Neo in The Matrix, which would go to Keanu Reeves, um, instead doing the reboot of Wild Wild West, uh, widely considered one of the worst decisions anybody in Hollywood ever made. Um, Not a good film, Wild Wild West. But um, Will Smith also what may have helped his uh, transition into superstar. And it's it's kind of terrible to have to say this and to articulate this, but at the time that Will Smith became a star, he was light-skinned. Um, he was n- a non-confrontational African-American um, cultural figure. And on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, if you look at the rest of the cast, um, while he's portrayed as, as coming from the mean streets of Philadelphia, um, the cast around him, this, this, his wealthy relatives in Bel Air, are actually, um, for the most part, darker skinned and more successful and more affluent. And so it becomes a sort of comedy, uh, situation comedy of manners, um, a la Oscar Wilde and um, some of the, the, the Ealing comedies uh, of Britain in the 1940s and 50s. But to not make mention of that is to kind of dismiss the social engineering that went into building Will Smith as a brand and why he probably was given a sitcom 
when there were numerous um, African American artists who were charting higher rec- like higher placement in the charts than Will Smith was, who were deemed by whoever the producers, possibly at the series or network executives, as being less able to reach Middle America because perhaps they were more. Uh, perceived as more ethnic or more African-American. And I am absolutely not the person to be speaking on this and um, can point out to um, a couple of instances where um, Bill Maher had made a statement about Wayne Brady not being quote, unquote, black enough and Wayne Brady firing back that um, that Bill Maher doesn't get to say that. And I, I uh, agree with um, uh, Wayne Brady's uh, stance on this. And I comment only um, as as far as to say that it's something that you can see, it's something that you can compare, that when you look at um, other people who might have been in a position to, um, to have success, they were not given that chance because they were not seen as um, quite, quite as um, racially indifferent as was um, Will Smith at the time. Uh, certainly, they didn't offer a TV show to LL Cool J um, back in that in that time. And so, this is part of social engineering: is that you you find somebody who can extend a demographic, who can extend a perception, in order for you to over time be able to usher in additional chances for people that didn't have chances before this person was able to make an impression. And so I think that you really do have to look at where movies were, you know, back in 1995 and 1997 and seeing what movies were topping the, um, the box office charts, um, what TV shows were on were on television in the in the top ten Nielsen ratings, and um, and then what happened after the impact of someone like Will Smith, how that changed um, what the landscape on television looked like, how chances were then given to extend into other ethnic demographics, whether it's um, trying to get um, into the Latin American household um, to try to. Um, open up a little bit more exposure to Chicano culture, um, to start to make inroads towards um, Asian Americans. And that changing face of television is perhaps best um, exemplified by The Walking Dead, that we've seen just about every single ethnic demographic um, portrayed in The Walking Dead, and everybody has had an opportunity to be the hero. That well, you can argue that there are ostensible leads of certain characters that m- many of them have stepped up to be the stars of the show. And um, with, you know, Stephen Yoon having been um, from episode one on a part of the show and a very important character in the comic as Glenn, um, he's entered households as well um, on a weekly basis for several years now. And part of the social engineering and the acceptability of Stephen Yoon to, you know, white middle America is that we've seen him have a relationship with a southern white girl on this television show for several years. And this isn't anecdotal. This is very important. And this is part of how you can test for stardom, that um, this is an acceptable relationship. Um, the feedback is such that, you know, I don't think anybody has complained about it, not even in the least um, progressive 
mindset of the fan base of the people who watch the show. And it's, you know, the acceptability of that is a measure to how far we've come in society that, um, that you know, people aren't still, um, you know, I don't believe at this point there are any laws in the books that, um, that prevent marriage um, between races. And I know that, that until quite recently, there were um, segregation um, laws, at least in high schools in, in certain southeastern states. And, um, you know, which is a shame. And it's something that, you know, that these states will, will bear as shame um, for a while. And and how fast they um, they grow to become a part of you know, society at large, and to um, and to stand by the freedoms and rights of of people of all uh, races and creeds and of both sexes. That um, that will depend on on how long the um, the scorn is is you know is deep. So um, I think we're going to take a little uh, a quick break here, and when we get back, I'm going to speak to um, what I'm. A, what I predict will happen for um, Stephen Yoon's career. And uh, we're just going to hear a quick little word from our sponsors. Hello, and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I'm your host, Matt Kennedy. And what we're talking about is um, Stephen Yoon as um, film superstar. And certainly that hasn't happened yet. Um, and we know that... Um, that events on on the program The Walking Dead will allow for him to take larger uh, filmic roles. And, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about um, the social engineering of presenting non, you know, non um, white middle American um, actors to a white middle American audience. And uh, certainly, as we've seen in this election cycle and um, in the, the years, in the waning years of the presidency of the first African-American man to attain the office, that certain issues have been kicked up into the open that we thought weren't issues anymore, or at least that I think were perceived by certain um, uh, segments of society as, as no longer being a problem. And I think what we're realizing is that they were a problem, have been a problem all along, and um, some of them are coming to light because it's time for them to come to light. You know, that it's time for these to no longer be an issue. That um, in 2016, it's kind of ridiculous that, um, that more people don't have a, a larger voice, not just in the electorate, but in entertainment and overall. You know, we've discussed on this program before the casting of... Um, you know, Caucasians in roles that uh, were written as as possibly Asian or other ethnic um, ethnicities, and um, and how it's you know we've we've made some progress, but we haven't made so much progress in certain aspects, and you know there's been this encouragement for um, for people to go out and make their own projects, and what I think the um, the strong reaction and um, the strong support of um of Stephen Yoon on Walking Dead has has opened up is a very obvious um opinion by most people that this is a very well-liked person and we would love to see him in other things so this should put together from this point forward some more high profile projects for him and so what i guess we're waiting to see is what will be his 
Matrix? What will be his Independence Day? What will be the film that um, the filmic role that positions him to become a bona fide movie star? And if you go back and look at the early episodes of Walking Dead and and you compare season by season to how physically he has changed, um, you know. If you're portraying a character in a world where there's, you know, an absence of available food and nourishment, then you're gonna get you're gonna tighten up. Um, you're automatically going to have to develop a a more phys, a physical, um, you know, look that you're gonna be more muscular. There's gonna be a lot less body fat, and seeing that transformation on the actor Stephen Yoon for the character of Glenn Ree um, is important because. It shows people in a position to offer him film roles that um, he can transform and is now, you know, this this sexy guy, this really good looking guy, and um, he's reaching every demographic. I, you know, it's I don't I don't know anybody that doesn't think that Stephen Yoon isn't a good looking guy, and he's a likable um, persona. Uh, the character he played was very likable, which helps. But um, we've also seen his acting chops in a very in a number of very grueling situations that that series has tackled, and maybe uniquely in the actors that I've talked about, um, he's been given difficult scripts in that the um, the conveyance of emotion that rests rested on his shoulders throughout the series. Um, is of a higher level than we've seen of people who have who have uh, skyrocketed to stardom um, via you know first kicking off from TV shows or independent films, and so um, for people who don't know, um, after uh, Stephen moved um, from South Korea to Canada and then to Troy, Michigan. Um, he did end up moving to Chicago, and uh, he joined Second City, which is one of the largest improv uh, comedy, uh, most important uh, improv comedy groups, uh, or troops, one might say, uh, in America or in North America even. And um, and then shortly after, you know, was was auditioning for for film roles and ended up. You know, getting the role in Walking Dead after uh, bit parts here and there, including a bit part as a police officer on uh, Big Bang Theory. So, um, kind of well grounded in geek and comic book culture, and that's not going to change. The next project that most people are going to see is an animated project of the comic book Chew, and um, he's going to be playing the lead character. So, um, it's it's great to be able to see him. Um, although he will be the voice and not the, um, you won't see actually him in the animated uh, crime film directed by Jeff Krellitz and co-starring Felicia Day and David Tennant. And of course, as we said, based on the the comic book by John Lehman and Rob Guillory. Um, But then after that, a kind of amazing thing will be the second English language film by Korean director Bong Joon-ho. So he who directed um, the Korean films Memories of Murder and The Host, great giant monster movie. If you haven't seen it, you should uh, immediately watch it. And um, he his first English language film was Snowpiercer, which has got a really strong fan base among um, you know horror fans and um, just you know like genre film fans. And that film, which um, you know had Tilda Swinton, she will also be in this new film called Okja, which um, is an action adventure movie, um, as we said, directed by Bong Joon Ho. And it stars alongside, um, you know, Stephen Yoon. It's got Lily Collins, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano, Tilda Swinton. That's like uh, this three Oscar 
nominees and um, at least one Oscar winner in that group and um, a few other co-stars. And I think that's going to help launch him um, possibly in the way, I mean, it is an ensemble film, as was, um, you know, at the time, River's Edge was an ensemble film. Um, and of course, at the time, um, Independence Day was an ensemble film. So uh, this gives him a chance to shine in a way that will signal to studio bosses and um, and producers that he is a bankable star. I think the film is going to do very well. Um, you know, sight unseen. I uh, haven't read the script. I'm just as in the dark as anybody, but I do think the film will do well based on the, um, the rising reputations of the film director and the cast attached. And certainly this will happen after Tilda Swinton's turn in the Doctor Strange film, which will be out um, quite, quite soon. So um, that kind of uh, takes us a little bit to the end of my prediction, and I hope that I've um, shined a little bit of light on the necessity for um for this to happen that you know the time has come you know that we've had um film star we've had asian film stars of course before we've obviously there's bruce lee and there's jackie chan and and they are martial artists um what's kind of great about steven yoon is that he comes to the films as an actor not as a martial artist and while he can do action roles and, and will probably star in quite a few of action films. Um, his fame base is not based on something that is other, you know, that martial arts are very much a part of the Asian culture and there is an American fascination with it. But, um, you know, acting is universal. Uh, the appreciation, uh, charisma is universal. And so this launching him into stardom would be a uh, signature. It would be very important because um, it's something that is happening on the merits of his acting and proves to people that a good actor, regardless of ethnicity, can be bankable. And so um, I will certainly uh, support his his cinematic endeavors. I will go see them in the theater. I'll go see them opening week. Um, this, you know, They'll get my money, and that will send a signal that um, you know people of color deserve these big breaks these big chances because there is an audience of people that will see it and not just an audience made of the same ethnic demographic as the actor so um you know i i hope my prediction is is correct um certainly i invite any of you to email me at uh, pop sequentialism info at pop sequentialism.com or to um, post a, a, a comment on the the pod sequentialism facebook wall or tweet at us at podsec um, on twitter and uh, instagram and uh, we invite your feedback would love to interact with you more you know um, whenever i get an email i, I respond usually with a very long uh, response uh, i love to interact with um, with the people who who are listening to the program i am open to your suggestions as to the types of things that you want discussed and the people that you want me to talk to and um, until next time i hope you've appreciated this this kind of shorter episode of pod sequentialism and um, this kind of important focus on um, the actor Steven Yoon and uh, the things, the good things that we hope are coming for him. So, until next time, this has been Matt Kennedy. You've been listening to Pod Sequentialism. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many, many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. 
And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole, it's not. Um, you can, if you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you.